Thank you so much. Thank you so much. We welcome our Facebook family who are watching today. and Thank you for being with us. Thank you, praise team, for that. You got your swords? Electronic or otherwise? I want you to turn to three scriptures with me. And then I will share with you what I'll be ministering on. If you follow me on Facebook, you already know. Hebrews chapter 5. Hebrews chapter 5, verses 12 to 14. Hebrews 5. 12 to 14. For through by this time, for, excuse me, for though, I've already got my mistake out of the way, so we're good to go. For though by this time you ought to be teachers, you need someone to teach you again the first principles of the oracles of God. You have come to need milk and not solid food. For everyone who partakes only of milk is unskilled in the word of righteousness, for he is a babe. But solid food belongs to those who are of full age, or my margin says what? What's your margin say? Mature, mature, that is, those who by means of use have their senses exercised to discern both good and evil. And then turn with me to 1 Corinthians chapter 14, verse 20. 1 Corinthians 14, verse 20. 1 Corinthians 14, verse 20 reads, Brethren... Do not be children in understanding. However, in malice be babes, but in understanding be what? Mature. And then one last scripture as our springboard text. Turn with me to Ephesians chapter 4. Ephesians 4, beginning to read with verse 11. Ephesians 4, verse 11. He himself gave some to be apostles, some prophets, some evangelists, and some pastors and teachers for the equipping of the saints for the work of the ministry, for the edifying of the body of Christ. Now pay attention here. Till we all come to the unity of the faith and the knowledge of the Son of God to a perfect man or a mature man, to the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ, and that we should no longer be children tossed to and fro, carried about with every wind of doctrine by the trickery of men in the cunning craftiness of deceitful plotting. But speaking the truth in love may grow up. Can you say grow up? Tell your neighbor beside you, grow up. (laughs) Grow up in all things unto him who... Why, who is the head, who is Christ. 
Today we're going to talk about how to determine spiritual maturity. How to determine spiritual maturity. Someone once said that the Christian is the only organism on the planet that has the ability to grow more immature as time passes. And I know some, I know that's true. Do you know somebody that ought to be mature by now, but they're still a baby? They still act like a baby, a carnal baby. Uh, they, they, they grow more immature. Do y'all know somebody like that? Don't look at anybody, but do you know anybody like that? It's God's will, according to His Word, for every Christian to mature. It is God's will for every Christian to grow up. But just as emotional maturity is not determined by how big somebody's body is, you know, you can have a big body and an <laughs> immature brain. Huh? Just as emotional maturity is not determined by how, some, how big somebody's body is, spiritual maturity is not determined by how big somebody's Bible is. Come on. Spiritual maturity is not determined by how gifted you are, how much money you put in the plate, how often you read your Bible. Spiritual maturity is not determined by how much Scripture you can quote, how many positions in the church you may hold, how eloquently you can pray. Now, I realize that this message today is not exhaustive because there's many determining factors of spiritual maturity. But I want us to look at three simple ways you can determine whether you're mature or not. Now, when we get through today, this message is not going to help you to be more mature. (laughs) But it's simply going to let you see how mature you are. And then after today, it's up to you whether you... Keep sipping the bottle or start eating you some T-bone steak. Come on, somebody. (laughs) What we're going to do today is just let you know how to determine your level of spiritual maturity. So, here's three simple ways. Everybody ready? Number one, how do I determine my spiritual maturity? Number one, how do I respond to no? You know. How do I respond to no? When I'm told no, how do I respond? Look at 2 Corinthians chapter 12. Oh, this is going to be good, y'all. If I, can, if I can convey it half as well as the Lord conveyed it to me, it's going to be good. So y'all get ready. Everybody ready? 2 Corinthians chapter 12. 2 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 7 to 10. And lest I should be exalted above measure by the abundance of the revelations, a thorn in the flesh was given to me, a messenger of Satan, to buffet me, lest I be exalted above measure. Concerning this thing, I pleaded with the Lord three times that it might depart from me. So we could say that Paul didn't want this thing. Come on. He pleaded. You ever pleaded with the Lord? He pleaded three times for it to depart. And God said to me, No. (laughs) That's really what He says here. 
Get this thing off of me. Make it leave. I buke it. I bind it. Make it go. But he said to me, my grace is sufficient for you, for my strength is made perfect in weakness. Then it says, and Paul pouted and cried and quit coming to church and quit reading his Bible. Is that what it said? No, it said, therefore most gladly. I'd say Paul must have been mature. He got a no and got glad. When's the last time you got a no and got glad instead of sad? I will rather boast in my infirmities that the power of Christ may rest upon me. Therefore, I take pleasure in the infirmities and reproaches and needs and persecutions and distresses. For Christ's sake, for when I am weak, then I am strong. What did Jesus say? My grace is sufficient for you, for my strength is made perfect in your weakness. And Paul said, when I'm weak, then I'm strong. Paul got to know. How do I respond to know? The test of a mature heart is how it responds to know. Know reveals your attitude. Being teachable is not being teachable only when authority tells you what you like, what you agree with, and what you want to hear. But when authority tells you what you don't like, don't agree with, and don't want to hear. What authority are you talking about, Pastor Man? Well, how about civil authority? The Bible tells us to obey the civil authority. Unless they're telling you to disobey God, of course, but... There's civil authority that we have to obey, and we don't always like that. I don't like paying taxes. I want to say no. But then I'd have a prison ministry. (laughs) What about vocational authority? How many of you work for somebody else? When they say no, it just really thrills your soul, don't it? I want to raise no. How do you react? What about familial authority? Family. That means doing what your wife says. (laughs) When she says no, boys, what do you do? (laughs) What about spiritual authority? Did you know God has placed spiritual authority in the church? Now, I know that spiritual authority is abused. I realize that. I'm a pastor. I I see it all the time. I know some low-down pastors that ain't nothing in the world but manipulating dogs. You you missed a good time to say amen right there. I mean, they just in it for themselves and control, and and, and, and they abuse the flock. But not every pastor is like that. You can't say, well, I'm not going to obey any pastor because there's some bad ones out there. What is the attitude that your child displays when you tell them no most of the time? Huh? A fit. They pout. Slam doors. (laughs) 
They get upset. They get angry. They get pouty. They start acting what we call childish. How many know there's a difference between, between being childlike and being childish? We as believers behave the same way sometimes when we're told no. We pout, we get angry, and we start acting childish. When authority tells us no, there's usually a reason for the no that we don't have all the facts about or understand from our present vantage point. People often ask me, what's the most difficult thing in the ministry? Well, there's many, and we don't have time for all of them. But one that's really high on the list is when leadership has to make decisions based upon facts we know that the congregation is not privy to. How many of you know, just to satisfy your curiosity, I can't get up here and name names and throw a face up here on this screen and list all the reasons why they're not singing on the praise team or teaching a class or being invisible leadership. They may look when you watch them praise. They may look all holy, but they might be hilly. See, they stuff that you don't know that we got knowledge of. Well, why don't why ain't so and so doing something? Well, I can't tell you why. Do you want me to tell them why you ain't doing nothing? I mean, y'all get where I'm going. I'm trying to be funny here because this is serious stuff. But do you get where I'm going? There, there's, there's information and facts that we're privy to, and we make decisions based upon that. And sometimes we have to say no, and that no looks awfully mean to the general population of the congregation. Because, see, most of the time, the most spiritual acting people in the church are the ones that's driving the preacher crazy. You don't know the hell we have to deal with behind the curtain. You just see them out here looking good. You don't know what goes on behind closed doors. So there's usually a reason for the no that you might not be privy to because you don't see all the facts from your perspective, but we can't divulge confidence and throw them under the bus just to satisfy your curiosity and make us look good. How many times have you ever had to be the one to take the fall for somebody else because you didn't want to divulge and throw them under the bus so you're the one with the mustard on your face and you didn't even eat the ham? Huh? That's called... That's called that's called integrity. It's called leadership. It's called being able to say no whether it's received or understood or not. So how do you respond to no? Uh, in, in 2 Corinthians 12, 7-10, Paul had a thorn in the flesh. The Bible tells you, and people fuss about, what was a thorn in the flesh? He had an eye disease. He had, it says what it was. A messenger from Satan. An angelos from Satan. An angel, a demon spirit that buffeted him all the time. Some of you say, I've been there. Huh? 
And he said, make this thing leave. And God said, Jesus said, my grace is sufficient for you. For in, in, in your weakness, I'm made strong. Now, let me tell you something here about understanding how to receive no in the right attitude. You will listen to this. My grace is sufficient for you. Are you listening? You will never walk in a deeper grace than you're walking in right now until you understand how to accept no with the correct attitude. You will never walk in a deeper grace than you're walking in now until you learn how to accept no with a godly attitude. Even when you don't agree and don't understand. I'm sure Paul didn't agree with God's assessment of this, of this thorn. He wanted it moved. You'll never advance in your level of maturity, since that's what we're talking about, or strength without learning to accept no. In your weakness I'm made strong, God says. How was Paul able to say, I glory in infirmity, then if it will make Jesus look bigger in me? How did he do that? He would have never been able to be stronger and more mature if he had spent the rest of the, the Bible arguing with God because God told him no. Has God ever told you no? What was, what was your attitude? That determines your level of spiritual maturity. Number two, how do I respond to yes? Oh, I like this one, preacher. All right, let's see if you do. First Corinthians 6.12. I like this one. This one's going to really be misunderstood by some people, but that's, that's all right. 1 Corinthians 6.12. How do I respond to yes? 1 Corinthians 6.12. All things are lawful for me, but all things are not helpful. All things are lawful for me, but I will not be brought under the power of any. The Bible in the Amplified Version says, All things are permissible. I live under a yes. All things are permissible. The answer is yes. Now, in many religious circles, in many denominational circles, the answer is always no. Because they're against everything. Even having fun. Did you know that fun's a sin to some Christians? Why are you so happy? <laughs> you ought to be miserable, like I am. In, in some places, there are Christians who have assumed the self-appointed role of Holy Ghost deputy to enforce laws and rules which by and large are man-made that they don't have a verse of Scripture for? The answer is never yes. It's always no. 
We're against this. We're against that. I was a part of a denomination one time. When you read their handbook, it was like Dr. No wrote it. We're against this. We're against that. We're against everything. I want to say, what you fur? (laughs) And see, it's the legalistic, law-obsessed Christians that believe that they... Are y'all listening to me? It's the legalistic, law-obsessed Christians that believe that they are more holy and righteous than anybody else on the planet, yet they remain spiritual babies all their life. They're not nearly as spiritual and mature as they think they are. Why? Well, it's simple. Because their so-called convictions, y'all pay attention here, please. Their so-called convictions are produced by man-made boundaries imposed upon them by other people, and they never exercise the freedom to think for themselves. It's like they go to church and their mentality is, Preacher, just draw a box and tell me where to stand and tell me what to believe. You tell me what's right and I'll believe it. Now, God has given each one of us, I don't know if you've ever thought about it like this, We've practiced it, but I don't know if we've thought about it. God has given every one of us in this place, and watching by Facebook today, He's given every one of us the liberty to fail, fall, sin, and disobey. We can. Well, I don't believe that. Well, have you ever done anything that surprised yourself? Because you said, I'll never do that. And then you did? You see, now, though God gives us liberty to fail and sin and fall and disobey and backslide, listen, I realize what the ideal is. The ideal is that we be led by the Holy Spirit who lives within us and innerly convicts us of sin and directs us. They that are led by the Spirit are the sons of God. It is God's ideal that we be led by the Spirit. But here's something I want you to see. God never fences us in within four walls or boundaries and then declares that as long as we stay within the fence that we're acceptable, holy, and righteous, and acceptable, and, and better than everybody else in His sight. We are pleasing and mature as long as you stay in the fence. Let me show you something. Here's the fence. Here's the box. Stay within the box. It's yes. Get outside the box. It's no. According to the legalist, 
everybody that stays in the box with them and don't do what they don't do, don't go where they don't go, everybody in the box is more mature and holy than those outside the box because they're in the box. Remain within the no box. (laughs) And you're holier than those outside the box. But here's the problem. I can stay in the box and never do anything outside the box. And by my actions, I may look holy and right and mature. But inside my heart, I can be full of pride and judgmentalism and hatred and ugliness because I'm judging everybody else that ain't out, that ain't in my box as unholy and less spiritual than me because they ain't in my box. You get in my box within my little denominational box here and you're right with God. But I know some ugly, hateful, mean people and the most ugly, hateful, mean Christians you'll ever find live in this box called legalism because they think that everybody else is going to hell because they don't adhere to their man-made rules. It's never yes. Well, let's get back to that. The sin of self-righteous Phariseeism is born when I judge people as less holy than myself because they're not living in my box. But listen to this. Here's where we're going on this point. Maturity, are you listening? Maturity and holiness is not determined by how well I remain within my box. Holiness and maturity is this. Oh, get ready. I'm fixing to drop a rock in your pocket. Are you ready? Holiness and maturity is not determined by how well I live inside of a box. No, 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 no. Holiness and maturity is determined by how I think, act, and behave and the choices I make when there is no box. Did you hear that? When there is no box! If I'm led by the Spirit, why do I need a barbed wire fence of legalism around me to tell me what to do and not do? How do I behave and what is my attitude under the freedom of yes, not under the fence of no? Want to know how mature you are? How do you respond to yes? God gives you a blank check. Everything's permissible. You know I can sleep with all the women I want to? I got liberty to do that. Until she found out. Brother Richard, you got the same liberty. 
How many women you want to sleep with this week? One. You're one. I got the liberty to get drunk if I want to. Guess what? I want to. How do I behave when I live under a yes? Let's say you've got twin boys. One of them has to be locked up in his room every day to keep him out of trouble. I mean, literally locked in a room. The other is free to come and go as he pleases. But he always behaves because of an inner conscience that restrains him from getting in trouble. Now, they're twins. One, you've got to lock him up in a room to keep him out of trouble. The other one, he can come and go as he pleases. He never gets in trouble. Can you tell me which one's the most mature? Which one's the most mature? The one that don't need the box. The one that don't need the lock. Are you seeing where we're going here? The truly mature believer does not need a list or a fence of rules to make him stay in line. The fence of no only produces angry, judgmental, mean, immature Pharisees. You know why the folks living inside this box hate you so much when you've got liberty? Jealousy. The Bible says, Paul said, Why is my liberty judged by another man's conscience? And boy, I'm going to tell you what, there's a bunch of judges out there. God gives you liberty to do something, and they tell you you're going to hell for it. Why, am I, why is my liberty judged by your conscience, dude? Because you jealous. You just wish you could do what I got liberty to do that your fence won't let you do. We hear this preach much. The fence of no produces angry, mean Pharisees. The freedom of yes offers believers the opportunity to be led by the Spirit and exercise discernment and grow and mature. What did Hebrews say? Hebrews said that we grow up when our senses are exercised to discern both good and evil. If I need somebody to tell me what good and evil is, and if I do this, it's good. If I do this, it's evil. And I don't even have the, 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 the liberty to hear the Holy Ghost speak in my heart for myself. I will never grow up and mature. Now, now, Brother Richard, he can lift weights all day long. But guess what? When he's lifting weights, my muscles ain't going to grow. I can't get muscles by osmosis. If my muscles are going to grow, I'm going to have to lift some weights. Those inside this box, they don't have spiritual muscles. They never exercise discernment. It's already decided for them. Just stay inside. You can be hateful as hell itself, but as long as you... Stay in the box. 
you holy and you better than everybody else. Even if you are mean as a rattlesnake. Even if you speak in tongues one minute and cuss somebody out the next. It's all right, you in the box. Now, how do I respond to no? How do I respond to yes? Number three. Third way to, and final way of determining spiritual maturity is how do I respond not only to no and to yes, but how do I respond to wait? Wait. You know, I'd rather hear no than wait. <laughs> how about you? Because at least no, you know. <laughs> wait whenever. How long? <laughs> Look at Galatians 6, 9. Galatians 6, 9. Let us not grow weary while doing good, for in due season we shall reap if we do not lose heart. Sometimes the answer we receive is not no. Sometimes it's not yes. Sometimes it's wait. And wait is often the most difficult answer to hear because of our impatience. I pray every day, Lord, I want patience and I want it now. Anybody else do that? Look at Galatians 5, 22 to 23, right before what we read. Look. Galatians five twenty two and 23, excuse me. Galatians five twenty two and 23. But the fruit, can you say fruit? Fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, long-suffering. Amplified Bible says patience. The new Amplified Bible says that patience, and then it's got parentheses, this fruit of the Spirit. It says patience. Not the ability to wait. Oh, watch this. Not the ability to wait, but how, how we act while waiting. Oh, I don't like that. The fruit of the Spirit. Fruit. Fruit cannot be fully mature Mature without waiting. You don't plant an apple tree today and eat apples tomorrow. Fruit can't become fully mature without patience. Remember it says, in due season you shall reap if you faint. How many of you know that there's always a season between planting and reaping? Maturity is never instantaneous. It always, like fruit, requires a process of waiting, time, patience, which is what I'm terrible at. And some of you are too. Galatians 6, 9 says, in due season. What does due season mean? It means the appropriate season. Don't be weary in well-doing 
Because in due, in the appropriate season, you will reap if you faint not. What's that mean? Don't faint. It means don't get tired. Don't get weary of waiting. Don't say, well, I've waited two weeks. Somebody else can have. And guess what? You walk off and somebody else eats your apples. Because you didn't wait. You grew weary. Due season means the appropriate time. Now, if your answer is to wait, it means one of two things. And we're drawing to a close here, so listen to this. If your answer is wait, whether regardless of what authority it comes from, God or any of his subjects, appointed authorities. Listen, if your answer is wait, it means one of two things. Number one, it means you are not mature enough yet to receive what you desire. Or, number two, the thing you are desiring is not mature enough yet and needs a little bit more time to ripen and develop. It means one of those two things. Either you're not mature enough for the thing you desire, or the thing you're desiring isn't mature enough for you to pick it yet. It's one of two things. But in due season, you will reap. God didn't say you want, I ain't never going to give it to you. He just said, wait. Wait till it's right. Don't you want what's right? How many of us have jumped the gun and said, I want it now, like the son in the Bible that wanted his inheritance now? It never works out well when we go ahead and jump ahead of God and try to eat green apples. It never works. I want you to look at one final scripture and we'll close. Hebrews 6. Hebrews 6, 13 to 15. For when God made a promise to Abraham, because he could swear by no one greater, he swore by himself, saying, Surely blessing I will bless you, and multiplying I will multiply you. So after he had patiently endured, after Abraham had what? Patiently endured, he obtained the promise. There's something I want to share with you that would do you well to know if you haven't figured it out yet. You and I cannot make God hurry up. He's never hurried because I've told him to. Now what's that say? I can't hurry my maturity, but I can sure hinder it. A lot of Christians have hindered it. There's a lot of immature 40-year-old Christian babies sitting in pews today in churches that have heard the Word for 40 years, and they're no more mature than they were the first time they got saved. They don't like no. They act crazy when they get a yes, and they despise weight, and they try to go ahead and make pie out of an apple tree with no apples. And they're immature. I want to ask you this morning, how spiritually mature are you? 
Are you growing? Are you any more mature today than you were last week? Well, Pastor, let's don't break it up in weeks. Give me five years. <laughs> All right. <laughs> Are you any more mature than you were five years ago? How do you respond to no? How do you respond to yes? How do you respond to wait? Remember I told you, this message isn't going to mature you just because you've heard it, but it will help you to discern your level of maturity. As long as you've been saved, should you be farther along down the road than you are? Do you still prefer pablum over ribeye? Is oatmeal your favorite spiritual diet? Are you a carnal babe or are you a mature Christian? Do you still have to be taught every single thing or are you a teacher by now? That's what, that's what the Word said. How do you handle no, yes, and wait? That will determine how spiritual you are. I can't tell you that. But hopefully after today, you've got a little more idea of maybe why God might be using you as He is and maybe why you're having to wait before He uses you. Amen? Amen. I want you to stand.